Dr. Homebrew is brought to you by Five Star Chemicals, providing safety and cleaning supplies for brewing, distilling, and winemaking at fivestarchemicals.com. Dr. Love. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Dr. Homebrew. It's Wednesday. It's a random Wednesday. And, of course, that can mean only one thing. It's another edition of Dr. Homebrew. That's right. Here we are again, doctoring up your homebrew. Where randomness reigns. That's true. Especially in what we get sometimes. Randomness is king here at not only the Brewing Network. uh, I think our website's down. No, it's up. Okay. All right. I've been trying to log into our stupid website for like five minutes, and it just it just kept loading, loading, loading. And finally it comes up, um, you know, got to get in the chat and talk to my four people. Hello, four people. Four people. If they were Indians, would they be called foreskins? Uh, I'm not going to touch that no? one. No, okay. <laughs> You're not going to touch a foreskin joke? <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. That's too bad. I don't know. Uh, hey, everyone. We got a couple good beers for you tonight. We have a, uh, a gluten-free. I think this is our first gluten-free beer. Uh, Maybe you know, our first intentionally gluten-free beer, anyway. Y- y- sure, yeah. Not, not counting ciders, of course, because as everybody understands, ciders are gluten-free. And if you are gluten-free, if you need to be gluten-free for whatever reason, this slim part of you, uh, slim uh, percentage of the population that needs to be gluten free, you know that cider is inherently gluten free. So uh, the fact that it's advertised as gluten free to me is uh, a, a shameful act, a shameful act of marketing. I tell you, I feel you know the people that truly have this the celiac disease that that is horrible. Oh, no, for I sure. Mean, you know, most grains just completely out. You know, that's tough. Yeah, it messes you up, but. The, the, the trendy, fatty side of it, you know, come on, people. Just go eat some bread. Right. But also, you if you're trying to avoid gluten, you know what things are gluten and what things aren't gluten. Yes, And you, you know that apples aren't gluten, so deal with it. Uh, anyway, it's a, a, a gluten-free American blonde ale. I'm excited to, to try that. And uh, our first guest, we'll get on here in a second, it has a spruce tip, a spruce ale. It's uh, 8% made with spruce tips. Greg Burt. Is his name? Maybe I shouldn't say his last name. Greg Jones is his last name. And he's, it's, uh, it's a double IPA. Yeah, double IPA. That'll be interesting. Uh, before we get to Greg, I do want to um, address our sponsor, Five Star Chemicals. Of course, everybody knows Five Star. You can go to fivestarchemicals.com for the best way to not only clean but sanitize your equipment. And we try to drum this into your heads, into your little home brewing heads, that you can't, you cannot. Clean and sanitize in one in one fell swoop in one step. It takes tw- it takes two steps. You have to fill PWW and let it do its work, and then scrub it out, and then fill it with sanitizer, and then let it do its work. Thou canst not sanitize, <laughs> but accepting that thou first cleaneth. Right. Yes. First one. Padre, chapter one. Father. Father Cooper over here. Uh, so check them out, fivestarchemicals.com. Fire them an email. If you see them, if you saw them at NHC, hopefully you went and talked to them uh, because they're really lovely people. Uh, and if you see them at events, they do tons of events. Go up and talk to them. Thank them for sponsoring our show because we really would not be here without the support of Five Star. And they give you a little a pack for, for being on the show. If you want to be on the show, email jp at thebrewingnetwork.com, and I will make sure eventually, it might take me a couple of months, but eventually you'll get on the show. And it'll be nice. It'll be good for you. It'll be good for me. 
and uh, it'll be good for Brian. Really good for your friends who drink your beer. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because uh, hopefully, if you haven't heard of Five Star, now you've heard of them. Now you can go, oh, let me see what this is all about. Suddenly your beer will be better. Your beer will be better. They will take care of all your sanitation needs. That's what they do. That's what they do. Speaking of what they do, uh, we have a special guest host today, Keith Cost. Hello, Keith. Hello. Uh, do Welcome. I, not, I don't have you on. There you go. Try it now. Hey. Hey. You think I haven't done this before? <laughs> my first time. And uh, you are a master BJCP judge as well. Correct. And uh, how did you get roped into doing this show? The show. Uh, this Brian contacted me, I guess, and uh, asked me to do it. And I, got, for some reason, said yes. We, we <laughs> yeah. lucked out, and we got to brew some beer at Twenty One A together. Okay. We made Keith's winning uh, Kolsch. He was oh, our, I had that beer. It was our best beer. of show winner at the uh, Oktoberfest competition last year. All right. All start, right. Start brewing those German beers for this year's, but and try to beat Keith. Um, <laughs> That's yeah. what you're doing. Are you going to do that? You going to try to? Uh, I don't know if I'll enter it again this year. <laughs> the competition is fierce, man. These people really? are in their German, you know, the loggers and the yeah. It used to be we'd get more. Well, a lot, the last two years of Kolsch has won, but I mean, we used to get like the Kolsch category be really full, and then you know sometimes you'd have fewer loggers. So, well, you get a lot of Oktoberfests and stuff, but yeah, sometimes the, the pilsners and stuff be a little light. Now, I mean, the, like last year we had a ton of, of really great, uh, you know, lighter loggers and and uh, multi, you know, good German stuff. I love the German beers. You have to, or else they they uh, they kick you out of the country. Yes, if you don't like. Do you do you find that a lot of the the lighter stuff is because that's what people want to drink like on their own? Like you're not going to brew something specifically for a competition that you're not going to drink on your own, yeah. right? No, I, I, I mean think typically that, the yeah. typical part of it brewer, is right? enjoyment. You went to Germany and you had a good German pills there, yeah, and you you buy one here and it's just not the same. You're like, well, I have to brew it, so yeah, that's true. And sometimes you get clubs doing projects and stuff if there's a a Kolsch project or something in a club, you know, you might get inundated with them in your competition. <laughs> I think that's happened a time or two. I don't know for sure. I could see that. I could definitely uh, see how a club would kind of take that and and run with it. But I think Kolsch is a popular German style. Well, yeah, and that's because it's can... easy to brew. It's easy to drink also. A lot of people like it. Yeah. Like I can't see like uh, having a, 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 a Doppelbach competition, a club competition would warrant or would, would yield as many entries as a Kolsch. Yeah. Well, you'd be surprised, too. I mean, the first year we did it, we didn't get very many Bach entries at all. We had to combine it with, the, you know, smoked beers and stuff. And then the next year or two, we got like all of a sudden like tons of Bach. It was like, all right, cool. Hmm. Everyone's tired of that other shit, that lighter I shit. I didn't expect it. We actually had to adjust our the way we group our categories together. Anyway, enough about Oktoberfest competition. <laughs> not advertising Entries yet. due on September <laughs> 2nd, I believe. Somewhere in there. You got a website for these people who are now going, Jesus, Brian, just tell me the website. slash Oktoberfest. Okay, good. All right, let's get our first guest on the phone. What do you think? Please. Greg, are you there, buddy? I am here. How are you guys doing? Pretty hey, good. Greg. I messaged Greg on, on Skype, and I'm like, I'm running a little late. And he goes, I've listened enough to the Brewing Network to know that, you know, <laughs> on air means a little late. So, and you're right. I appreciate that. That's right. I appreciate yeah, no, that. I, I, I expected that. So, you know, I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> or just run around, do a bunch of crap, man. You know, I, I came late. I had an appointment before this. And, uh, yeah, you know, just came late. And then judging beard takes time. And, uh, you know, that whole kind of thing, man. But not, yeah. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you were, you, you made yourself available. Yeah, no, I'm excited to be on the show and, and to hear what you have to say about my beer. So uh, do me a favor. Tell me how long you have been home brewing. I've been home brewing about five and a half years. It, it all started in uh, Christmas 2010. My sister gave me a, a Mr. Beer kit as a gift. Uh, oh, yeah, the that. famous Mr. Beer kit. Yes. Um, so, so I worked with that for a little over a year, then switched to extract brewing. Ended up doing that for a little over a year, and then eventually switched over to all grain. Cool. Very excellent. Trying to open this beer. Here, yeah, Brian, that, do me that, a favor. The beer do, kit do is always for me. the springboard. Like You get that, that crazy, you know, like... Little beer kit. There, I got the cap off. Thank you. Yeah, the Mr. Beer Kit's always, it's, it's you know, uh, at, at More Beer, we would sell, you know, the obviously the, the normal stuff. People would come in and be like, oh, do you guys just hate those Mr. Beer Kits? We're like, no, we get more business from Mr. Beer Kit folks than, than just walk-ins, you know what I mean, who don't know anything about yeah. anything. Like, you just, you, you do it, let me sure pour this, um, you make the Mr. Beer Kit and then you kind of understand that you can make beer at home. But how was the Mr. Beer stuff, Greg? Was it as terrible as everyone says? Uh, well, I think for me it was, but, you know, that was also my 
first experience brewing beer, and um, I wanted to add all sorts of extra things in there. I remember one of the first beers I did, and I threw in like a a, a can of, of it must have been cherries to try to get some sort of cherry wheat beer, and, and it was just awful because I didn't know how to brew. I, I, right. I, I wouldn't say anything bad about the Mr. Beer Kid. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 that's where I was trying to go, but uh, you know, you want to take the high road, that's fine. He would say plenty of bad things about himself. <laughs> right. Well, that's yeah. You're, you're, but you started off wanting to experiment right away. It sounds like and and have some fun with your beer. Well, and that's clear. I mean, you have a double IPA here with spruce tips. Is this something you've done before? Are you are you a, a pro double IPA guy, or you just wanted to throw some stuff at the wall? Um, I don't know if I'm a pro double IPA guy. And actually, this the original idea for this recipe came from my sister. Uh, she lives in Duluth, Minnesota. Had for a while. I lived in uh, Juneau, Alaska, and based on her time in Juneau, Alaska, she asked me if I could brew a, a beer for it with spruce in it, and I had never heard about anything like that before. Tried to find some commercial examples, couldn't really find anything. Um, there was an Alaskan beer, I think it was a winter ale that used some spruce tips, um, but at, at the time, I was just really into IPAs uh, as far as brewing them and, and decided to try to, uh, to make a recipe and turn it into an IPA. Okay. Uh, Excellent. That's pretty basic. I think that's where a lot of people come from. You know, you just you, you get something in your mind and you just try it for the first time. That's cool. I like it. All right, Brian. Show us how it's done, man. Tell Greg about his beer. All right. Well, we cracked this beer open and the uh, the the fragrance of fresh spruce tips exploded into our studio here. It's I would say, you know, yeah, boom. It's just an explosion of, of evergreen right up front. I'm getting a ton of um of tree phenolics here and it's 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 a pleasant fragrance it's like wow you're walking through a forest here all of a sudden and uh but but it kind of does tend to bury most of the other aromatics that you're, you're that are in there at least to some degree um some of them are poking through a little bit i'm getting some I'm, maybe i'm imagining it but i'm getting some like piney seeming some light citrusy or dank hops kind of emerging in there a bit. Uh, the spruce does kind of subside a little bit in the aroma as it goes along, but uh, yeah, it's it's really big, just a big big phenolic there. Um, the malt seems medium low, kind of caramelly in there. I didn't get uh, any bad aroma aromas, you know, no DMS, diacetyl, anything like that. So it seems pretty cleanly brewed, which was um, inviting. And it scared me at the same time. Um, I mean, you know, that just, I was a little intimidated that it had that much spruce in the aroma, and I was a little afraid, what's it going to be like when I get into the flavor? So well, I'll get to that. But appearance wise, it's an orangey amber color, uh, kind of a light amber, orangey um, tinge with, with a pretty solid haze, kind of a medium hazy, medium high haze in there. It, you can see. Th- you can't really see through it, but it, you can see that, you know, it's not completely opaque. <clears throat> the uh, There was kind of a whitish head that spread out from the middle, and it, it stuck around for a little bit, but then it kind of collapsed to a little collar of kind of moose, moosey fine bubbles around the edge of the glass. Um, so appearance-wise, I gave it a two out of three there. Um, you know, you can have some haze in IPA, but that's a little bit much, and it had faded pretty fast. So <clears throat> flavor-wise... So, I have to say, like I said, I was a little bit intimidated, but the, the spruce is still heavy in the flavor, but it was not quite as intense as I had feared. It was it was kind of pleasant. Really? And in a way, it's... Based on the aroma. There's an interesting mean. kind of candy-like <clears throat> sweetness to the beer that plays off of that nicely, but not like you would expect from a, an Imperial IPA. Again, it seems cleanly fermented. Uh, the malt emerges as kind of a warm, light caramel. The hop bitterness is medium, medium low. It's kind of difficult to detect. Um, Why is there's that? A, there's a lot of phenolic, and phenolics kind of bite your tongue in the same way that, that bitterness will to me. Phenolics from the uh, from yeast the, or from the, the spruce? The, tr- the, the, the trees. Yeah. Okay, all right. The tree parts. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a phenolic element. And, um, yeah, so... Um, there's definitely some alcohol here. It's the balance overall. It's it's between malty and hoppy. I would say it's kind of even, but it's really mostly balanced to that spruce character. 
Um, the hop flavors are kind of disguised and seem a little bit muddled. It's kind of a faintly dank little hop thing in there behind everything else that's going on, which is mostly spruce. Body-wise, it, it, it has a medium body, and it lacks that kind of light drinkable body that you would like in a typical Imperial IPA, just that makes it... Hmm. This is a definite sipper, not something you could really quaff. Uh, it, it's enjoyable, don't get me wrong, but it's not like an IP, Imperial IPA. You get just you can drink a lot of it, even though it's eight percent. You know, because of that, of the sugars that they use to get that body down because it's dry. It's You're saying dry. this isn't dry enough. This is not dry enough. Okay, it's, it's a little too a fair amount too sweet. Okay. <laughs> um, Got a little bit of astringency, or the suggestion of it at least, uh, a little bitingness. Uh, probably also partially from the phenols in there too. Uh, the carbonation seemed just kind of medium in there, uh, but yeah. Overall, I thought it was a. It's an enjoyable beer. I I can enjoy sipping it. Um and but there's just too much spruce, especially in the aroma. It's it's drinkable and it's a fun beer. It's just not screaming double IPA to me. I would strongly suggest drying out the body. Um, and uh, getting rid of that sweetness, get it to attenuate a little more uh, by adding, if you didn't already, you know, some some sugars and maybe a more substantial amount if it's not drying out or if it's still leaving that impression of sweetness, um, you know, in the in the beer. And the body is just, yeah, it needs to be lightened up. So if you dry that out, that's going to help. But first, just, you know, I, I, if you really like it this way, please brew it again this way. It's It's an interesting tasting beer, but I wouldn't call it a... Um, Imperial IPA, or maybe more like a, uh, uh, an American strong ale, like a stock ale, or something kind of arrogant and in your face, but not like super hop focused because the hops are just getting getting buried. If you really want it to be more IPA, again, dry it out, add a lot more late dry hop, and or well, and get that the spruce out of the way a little bit more. But I, I, I'm really interested to talk about how the the spruce was added to the beer and how much it took and how you know, maybe how fresh it was from the trees. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's super obvious, and it's just the, the defining character of this beer, and and gets in the way of a lot of else, a lot of the nice things that are there. It's cleanly brewed, um, but I had to give it a twenty nine just because the balance wasn't right and it wasn't to style. But um, yeah, thanks for sharing it, Greg. Really interesting beer. Yeah, thank you. And, and I think you know part of part of this is I didn't really know what exact category to put it into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we, we talked know, you know, a little based bit based on the alcohol content and, and and I mean the calculated IBUs. I kind of picked double IPA because that's something I'm familiar with. Uh-huh. Uh, and and I really I really have no idea aside from flavor how the the spruce affects it. And you kept bringing up the phenolics or the, the tree phenolics. Um, and I think there might be some some sweetness from the spruce tips. Maybe, um, yeah. It's got kind of, you know, it's got that kind of medicinally thing that you get from a, a phenolic, like a, a chlorophenolic, like, you know, a, a throat spray kind of a uh, flavor. Yeah, I got a lot of menthol. That was Menthol-ish. probably the, main, the yeah. main thing. And, I, you know, I was on the same page with you in general in terms of scores and, and just everything over, you know, overall. I thought it was a little bit sweet. And I think really the challenge there is trying to find the right style for something like this. I think, you know, if, if you're at an, entering this in a competition, you are going to have a hard time with the level of spruce no matter what you do. But you don't necessarily have to pick something. You could just say a strong ale with spruce and even describe it as not, you know, not an IPA. You don't have to actually pick a classic, classic example, but just sort of describe what the beer is and then enter it that way. But I think with the amount of spruce, you would have a hard time um, doing that well just because it is heavier. You would score probably in the mid-30s. I scored it at 28 as well because I was considering the double IPA. Um, sort of category and how how it interacted with you know the the hops there and I really couldn't pick up much hops either and the sweetness also was on the high side for me too so um, I think those are some of the reasons I would I would give it the 28 but I think you could probably even just by changing the style you could probably boost it into the 30s in a, in a competition but I think to, to really nail it in, in place you'd probably want to lower the spruce somewhat yeah no, I know I understand what you're saying completely um, and in, in trying to find some sort of recipes online that would give me a, a basis to start with. Um, the two that I could find 
Um, one said something like two ounces of spruce, and the person described it as tasting great. And somebody else did something where they did like fifteen ounces of spruce, and, and, <laughs> didn't use, and they didn't use any hops at all. And they said it tasted great. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, one key um, piece of advice: just never read anything on the internet ever, and don't listen to any podcasts or any advice over the interwebs it's bad it's all well, I, bad I, I i try to kind of you know make up my own ideas from what i read on the internet yeah, no uh, i get I'm, it well and and i think i think the key there is the guy who used 15 ounces but no hops yeah you know kind of made it Instead a, a grueling thing right and, hops, and so yeah. i think that balance anyway keith you want to run through your sheet yeah, uh, I mean, you know. like, like I was saying, I think it's pretty similar. I got menthol off, off the nose, spruce again, uh, a little bit of a little bit of malt sweetness. It reminded me really of of taking sort of a spruce tip and and sort of squeezing it between your fingers, really, and, and kind of the stickiness and also the the you know the aroma there that you would get by doing that. It was really powerful in that way. Um, color, pretty much the same thing. I had deep gold, uh, light amber. Medium haze, um, low white head, uh, very persistent though in terms of sticking to the sides of the glass. Um, once again, in the flavor, we're talking about a big spruce, um, high sweetness. Once again, I, I, I thought that was high for the style. That's why I kind of mentioned that. Um, notes of caramel, a little bit of biscuit, um, but very clean overall, both in the aroma and flavor. I didn't mention that, but very good job in terms of fermentation. Um, well made in, in, in terms of that. Not not too fruity. No no off flavors really there. Um, bitterness, I thought was medium. Uh, I thought it was probably medium, medium low for this style. Really, I thought I could have maybe even punched it up a little bit, but it could just be the the spruce pretty, you know, dominating everything overall, or even just the sweetness being a little bit high. I think kind of hid the bitterness a little bit, but I thought it was probably still within style, but at the very end of the style. Um, probably like I mentioned, drier and, and not really getting any hops at all. I know um, Brian said he had a little bit of hops. I I really wasn't able to pick them up in aroma or flavor uh, um, at all. I was really digging for them, and, and some of the hop characters I pulled out were related to the tree. So I think I might <laughs> I might have been kind of you know grasping at straws to like give the benefit of the doubt that there's got to be some hops there if it's declared as an IPA. But yeah, it's it is really really hidden and buried. <laughs> and not not to jump to overall impression, but I will. Uh, I think one interesting thing to do here in this beer would be to give hops that don't have a you know the the piney perception. Use something different. Use like Citra or or Centennial or something mm. a little bit different and, and sort of contrast that against the the pineiness instead of I'm not sure what you did, but you know if you're using something like Chinook, uh, where you have a lot of pineiness to start with, then it kind of just sort of blends in and you really can't taste it. But I think with, with the amount of spruce here, anything is kind of be a little bit overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, I got got some alcohol again, um, like like Brian said, and um, you know medium warming probably what, what I would say there. Medium body, um, medium carbonation across the board, all okay for this style. And then finally, with overall impression, you know it, it is it is really powerful. Um, I dial back the spruce. I'd consider blending it if it were a keg beer, but looking at the bottle, it looks like it was bottle conditioned. So um, if you're interested, yeah, it was. Yes. Yeah, in competitions, sometimes you can make a beer like this where you overshoot, and then you can make something else and sort of uh, blend it back, and or even just you know to drink it, you can blend two kegs together or, or whatever, just to sort of blend together those flavors if you overshoot. And that's one one trick. I think the other thing you really want to do when you start is always go low for the first first batch, or go on the somewhat lower side, and then next time step it up instead of going too high unless you have the ability to blend beers that's good advice you could also you know hey brew a you know pour a half keg of something uh a nice imperial ipa and and gently pour a couple bottles of this into there and you might get some spruce character in the (laughs) in the two and a half gallons or whatever you know it really is strong enough that i would think you'd that would carry through and it it's it tastes and smells so fresh it's like the boughs of the juniper tree are like brushing across your nose here it's just Boom. I mean, it's a fun beer. I don't. I don't want to be all negative about it. I did enjoy totally. enjoy it, and and it's just a little bit for for judging wise, it's a little bit overpowering in terms of uh, you know, it's a, it's a sipper, like Brian said. I wouldn't want to have a, a couple of pints of these probably, but you know, on a, on a cold night in Minnesota or Alaska, I can see sitting down and having you know a, a brandy snifter of this. Absolutely, Greg. You want to uh, run through how you uh, how you added the spruce tips here? Uh, yeah. So uh, so why don't I go ahead and give you kind of the full recipe? Okay. Uh, yeah. I guess you know, you're talking about you know how the hops work in and, and, and the grain. Well, so I'll start out. So so the grain bill is uh, 15 pounds of two row pale malt and a half a pound of caramunic, and that's it. Hmm. Um, did a 60 minute boil, and I put in two ounces of Simcoe right at 60 minutes. They account for 70 IBUs, and then one ounce of Chinook at 10 minutes accounts for 12 IBUs. Um, and then also at the 10 minute mark, I put in four ounces of the fresh cut spruce tips. Uh, and then I 
fermented it with uh, the White Labs WLP001 California Ale Yeast, and uh, I made a starter from that uh, as well. But as far as the spruce tips go, I have a, a spruce bush in my garden, and uh, at least in the Northeast in Massachusetts, uh, it gets fresh growth in May. Uh, so this is a, a beer that I've brewed uh, the last three years on Memorial Day because it kind of makes mm-hmm. sense. It got fresh spruce. Uh, this year I made an effort to only cut off the really fresh green parts. I didn't want anything anything woody in there. Uh, I've been a little uh, maybe not so careful about trimming that bush in the past, and I've gotten some of the kind of the sticks and, and the woody yeah. part in there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I definitely noticed this time around – uh, that there was a much stronger spruce aroma and flavor, and I think a lot of that has to do with making sure I only cut the fresh parts of the bush. Um, was it the same four ounces you did four ounces before in previous years, or did you bump it up or down? Um, one time I bumped it down a little bit because I did get the comments that it was like really overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and, and as I said originally, this is uh, something my sister came up with, the original idea. She didn't develop the recipe. She just said, hey, brew, brew a spruce beer. So when I bumped it down, uh, she told me that it wasn't enough. Yeah. So that's why I bumped it back up again. Um, you got the really fresh, the, the fresh growth fragrant green parts there the bright green oh, yeah tips. yeah the light green yeah. rather like the then the darker yes. ones yeah. okay yeah. i agree four ounces doesn't seem like all that much but it you no. know what you got in there was was nice and pungent and and fresh tasting and smelling it's cool and you threw it in uh what towards the end of the boil i would imagine 10 minutes yeah yeah with with 10, 10 minutes, minutes left in the boil okay and i think that part's probably lighter as well like the the freshest part is probably lighter than if you got any of the 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 stick or any you know any of the the darker parts probably a little bit heavier so by making that amount you know putting that amount in and probably adding even more intensity um but yeah i agree with you keith you were talking about uh menthol and and i think with like maybe the uh, the hops and kind of the dank nature of, of some of those hops i i just straight got eucalyptus yeah. which you know yeah. is that component but like you know it's that the the, the tree compound um the kind of more um you know organic flavors or uh, at least in the aromas. And then when I was tasting it, I couldn't help but taste orange. Very mm-hmm. orangey to me, like um, artificial orange, like an orange candy. Hmm. Uh, and it, I don't, it does I don't have know a sweet kind of candy-like presentation to it. And like a, that caramely, you know, maybe some of the the Munichiness and the and the caramunic and the, the dank hops maybe and then the, the 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 chlorophylls or whatever from the spruce tips is kind of you know fooling me but uh, I don't know it tastes like a like an orange candy. I mean, there's there's oils too in that spruce. Right? I mean, it's it, yeah. the orange oil and you know spruce oil might have some common things, but yeah, it's it's nice that it's not you know absolutely killing the head too. So with all that in there. Yeah. And Greg, this is this year's version of it. You said you make it on Memorial Day. Is it this one's from this year? Yes, this one is from this year. And actually this year I, I went ahead and cut another four ounces of spruce and tucked it in the freezer so I can I can make another uh, another batch of this in the fall. Because um, as one of you mentioned to start with, kind of tastes like, you know, or it smells like, you know, there's a, there's a forest in the studio. Um, so I, I've gotten – Pretty much two comments about that. People say it tastes, you know, or it tastes and smells like a forest, and some people say it tastes and smells like Christmas. Yeah. So, so yeah. I like to have a, a, a batch ready to go in the summer, and then another batch ready to go, in, you know, in winter time. Yeah, that's that's one thing we we're talking about too. Is like you know, entering it as a 34C in the 2015 guidelines, just as a, an experimental beer. That's just kind of the catch-all. I was trying to think where it could go, you know, and it's I, it does it does kind of jump into those. A little bit of those holiday kind of beers too, like a winter seasonal beer. Maybe you could you could call it, and um, that would sure. be a nice place to put it yeah. with like a you know uh, an American strong ale base or something like that. You know, just kind of dial back the expectations of the hops, and that that will improve it right there into the, at least the thirties. If you know, yeah, so move, move away from the double IPA as the base style. I don't, you know, I think that if you really did a double IPA with this much spruce, it, it would just be fighting, and it would be even, maybe even worse than, yeah, you know, not worse, but it would be, it would be less balanced, you know, less balanced instead of just, you know, the malt. I think balances the spruce element nicely, and the sweetness works nicely with the the spruce as well. So I wouldn't give away those things necessarily to dry it out. If you were declaring it as an imperial IPA, you would have to, but yeah. Yeah, I think you mentioned American Strong Ale. I mean, even that 
sort of calls for some hoppiness, yeah. some aroma, and maybe you could just do more generic and say something like it's a pale, strong ale, something like that, you know, where you don't mm. have to declare exactly. You can declare just a porter for, for a base style and not have to say it's an English porter or an American porter. You can kind of do the same thing with this as well. Mm. And and I wonder as well, is spruce considered a, a spice herb or vegetable? I don't, I don't know, but um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I would give it a spice. I thought about that too yeah. because, you know, it's like I, I, I kind of went through and, and it's like I've made a cucumber ale and I know that definitely falls in the spice <laughs> herb and vegetable category and I, I couldn't I couldn't qualify spruce as either a spice herb or vegetable in my own mind, so I <laughs> Kind of it's totally straight away from that. Totally. You'd be fine. You'd be all right. Uh, well, Greg, do you have any questions for the guys? Um, yeah, I mean, I think okay. we kind of went over it, you know, just in general, mm-hmm. how to improve this beer. And, uh, you know, they gave a lot of good advice on that. Um, the other thing is you mentioned it was or somebody mentioned it was a little hazy. And I, I know I get some chill haze. Um and the beers that I have looked really perfectly clear to me. Uh, I wonder if any of that has to do with shipping or you we know, always something blame, else. Uh, JP for those kinds of things. That's true. Oh, okay. He probably transported it in his car earlier today. To I, the... I never refrigerate the beers that I get, so you know they're kind of no, oh, okay. um, no. They, they probably got a little shook up moving from the walk into the to the studio. Okay, I, I actually tried it. to simulate shipping through UPS when it, I knew it was shipping. Um, I left a bottle out, and every day when I got home from work, I actually shook it up. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then when I knew it arrived to you, I put it back in the refrigerator, and, and, okay. and that bottle is going from now, and it looks clear. So uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not horribly hazy. It's, no, no, it doesn't, look, it doesn't, look like a, doesn't look like a New England IPA or anything like that. <laughs> There's just a little bit of a haze. I think it's appropriate. I mean, I, think, I don't think it's way out of style in, in terms of a haze. Yeah. This is a slight haze. You can see the head when you look at it from the bottom with these little Sampling glasses we use in here, so yeah. it's not like it's opaque right. or anything. Yeah, and, and I just want to say, being from Massachusetts, I am in complete support of the West Coast IPA style. Thank I you. Don't like the orange juice look. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> you know, maybe somebody will pour me a just a perfect one someday. Where it's like, okay, yeah, we're we're used to the West Coast stuff out here, so <laughs> don't give us that orange juice and tell us IPA. Right, get out of here. All right, Greg. Well, if that's uh, all the questions or comments or whatever, we'll let you go. I think that's it. Thank you, everybody. Cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate thanks, it. Right, thanks. Good night. It's good beer. Yeah, that was fun. That was cool. For sure. Definitely. Yeah, it was a good Unique time. Stuff. Hey, before we head on to our first break, I do want to tell you guys about the iDip, which is my favorite new innovation in homebrewing. It's the Smart Water, uh, excuse me, the Smart Brew Water Testing Kit, the iDip. It incorporates a revolutionary photometer system, which is the first and only one on the market with its own app. The multilingual app, it's the brain, essentially. It's the hub of the whole unit and allows you to focus on the taste of your beer by dialing in your water profile. You can use it as a home brewer or a commercial brewery. You can even, uh, you know, obviously take it with you as you as you scale up. A lot of us want to go pro. This is a, a tool that, that makes that transition pretty easily. It's the only, one that, uh, only meter on the market that runs water tests with no math needed on your part, which is why I love it so much because I'm pretty dumb, especially when I hate math. I hated math. It took me two times. <laughs> Time to pass algebra, dude. I just, oh, I can't, I can't, I, I just, I can't wrap my head around like higher math, like addition and subtraction. You know, maybe I think I grasp that a little bit, but <laughs> anything else, division, you're no, forget right. about yeah. it. It's the first handheld water tester that has a smartphone app, which is pretty cool. Pretty innovative. You can email the results of your uh, test to your brewers or post it to your Facebook page and let your homebrew club get the lowdown on your base water profile. You can test over 40 different water quality tests. Four come preloaded and more are available. You can test for things like total alkalinity, chloride, calcium, hardness, pH, sulfate, and more. Only using four four milliliters of water for each test. It's patented, safe, simple reagent testing method means anyone can be a water chemistry pro. The Brewing Network has a special, of course, because we are very special. Podcast listeners, enter code TBN10 at checkout and save 10 bucks on either the standard or advanced smart brew testing kit. You can go to smartbrewkit.com and enter code TBN10 at checkout. Yeah, I like the idea. It's a pretty fun tool. I I, I enjoyed using it, and it's easy to you still have it, right? Easy to work with. Yeah, yeah, okay, good. 
and, and, and making a lot of friends too. You know, like going, <laughs> oh, hey, uh, Brian, I want to test my water this weekend. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. Sure, bro. Come on over. Yeah, right. Uh, Just give me a few bottles of beer. All right, we're going to take a break, and then when we come back, we're going to be drinking another beer. But this is a—it's going to be a gluten-free beer. Our first, uh, as Brian put it, first um, intentional gluten-free beer. Which I don't know how you could unintentionally make a gluten-free beer, but I'm sure someone Stone did. I'm I'm not sure. Oh, really? Unintentionally. (laughs) All right, it's Doctor Home, everyone. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Fellow BNers, this is Sully from the 21st Amendment Brewery located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Before Nico and I opened the 21A and before I was a professional brewer, I homebrewed on my small four-burner apartment stove in a back house in Santa Monica, California, making my extract brews before graduating to the daunting idea of all-grain brewing. Homebrew books and information was hard to come by back then. The Internet hadn't been invented yet, along with other things we take for granted today, like electricity and potable water. One thing I wish I had back then when I was learning was a radio show that could teach me the ins and outs of brewing and answer questions that I had about homebrewing, a resource for making great craft beer. The 21st Amendment Brewery is excited to be a proud sponsor of Dr. Homebrew, a great show that teaches you what you need to know about making incredible beer. Good stuff. Listen up. You might learn something. I certainly did. And thanks for your support. Tasty Crack Games. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to MoreBeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. That's it. I've had it. I am never putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a homebrew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special Secret Elite. Elite Bare Bones Club, where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit. NicoBrew.com. N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W. NicoBrew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Now, back to the examination. All right, thanks for hanging out, everyone. We are back. And I'm going to get Jeremy on the line here and talk about his gluten-free beer. Which I'm kind of excited to try. I don't know if I've necessarily had a gluten-free beer before. No? Yeah. I have not. And I like you haven't bl- had the, I like like the omission or the no. stone delicious? No, because I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why. Honestly, I don't know why. It's hard for to be honest with you. It's hard for me to think of them as beer. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've I've made some before with like sorghum extract. Uh, you know, several years ago when I was at More Beer, I was working on their you know line of gluten free beer kits and running through labs and stuff like that and trying to determine if you use White Labs pitchable yeasts. And sorghum, how much gluten is transferred from the, you know, that kind of boring yeah. crap. Um, and I just, they were all kind of watery. And I was kind of working on their, their recipe kits before I left. And I don't know what happened to it. But um, I, I think we could never really get it that 
tasting that good. So we know what this one is in an alternative, alternative fermentable beer. It's declared as a Category 31A in the 2015 guidelines. But you can also get there uh, from using the White Labs Clarity Firm uh, product, which supposedly, you know, in testing, and, and, and you know, they, they it breaks down the... Um, a lot of things as it clarifies the beer. Yeah, uh, it's an enzyme, but it it also you know breaks down those glutens and to to a level where that you can call it gluten reduced or Glu- gluten know. reduced. Yeah, Maybe I don't, know if you can. I don't can. think they legally call it gluten free, but yeah, no, I don't think you can either. I don't think you can either. But you know, to be technically gluten free, I think it's under twenty ppm or whatever it is. I don't know. Right. Uh, anyway, we got the man here, Jeremy. Are you here, buddy? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep, perfectly. Hey, hey. All right, great. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so tell me about gluten-free beer, dude. What's up? So, yeah, I was uh, diagnosed as a mild celiac in 2004, uh, and I started brewing in 2013. So I had to start doing the Clarity Firm thing, and that helped. Uh, But then I figured, hey, why not go all the way and see if I could do some reasonably good tasting gluten-free beers so. <laughs> so this is a great question because well for a few a few reasons but did you have to reduce the can you still drink beer quote-unquote normal beer yeah so uh every once in a while i can have a couple and okay. i'm gonna feel it for the next couple of days <laughs> oh okay yeah, man, okay it, it really does yeah for the folks that really have but, it but you uh okay so you still can drink beer um do, have you reduced your quality uh your bar for quality with gluten-free beer not quality uh flavor you know what I'm, you know what i'm meaning you know what i mean yeah right? yeah not at all um uh, so glute, uh clarity firm works really really well for anybody who's not uh there's a guy i don't know if he was university of wisconsin or something that did uh, some published studies a few years back on the efficacy of Clarity Firm, and he actually published one where he did wheat beer with Clarity Firm, and wow. it actually took it below the FDA minimum. Wow! Uh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's pretty awesome. But you don't because uh, you know I don't know that, that I would imagine I would imagine that if I had celiac disease, and I've I've imagined this before. Um, that I would instantly have to go, okay, all the gluten-free beers, it can't be good. So I'm going to have to reduce my level of what I deem acceptable flavor-wise. Yeah, and I, I don't like that idea at all uh, <laughs> yeah. as a craft beer connoisseur. You <laughs> well, know, you're, homebrew, so. you're smarter than I am. So yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> you, you probably uh, value yourself much more than I do. JP would just start drinking ciders, I'm sure. Probably. Well, those are those are yeah, they're naturally. So uh, so you did you use the Clarity Firm with this beer, this uh, American uh, Blonde? No, this is actually done with 100% gluten-free grains uh, on completely cleaned equipment um fermented it with uso5 uh and that's cultured in a gluten-free environment unlike uh, the white labs or y yeast products oh good to know so so yeah it's 100 percent gluten-free without any enzyme additives so okay you have to be careful about what yeast you use and everything yeah Yep. yep that's pretty intense well, you do. I mean, if I mean, well, I don't know. It depends on your the level of sensitivity. But even the like, even the the vials of White Labs yeah. are like seventeen ppm some... in just the vial, and then that dispersed throughout a whole batch. It's going to be so much lower than that. So yeah, it depends on on your your level. But is this the first time you've done this before with with this gluten free grain? This is my third uh, gluten free batch, and. Okay. Still learning. There's a lot, a uh, lot different. What are you finding? When it comes to mashing the grains. What are you finding different in that regard? So gluten-free grains, uh, particularly millet and buckwheat, which are the primary ones, mm-hmm. um, are their enzymatic activity. Um, the gelatinization temp for the starches is actually higher than the uh, alpha and beta amylase temps. Mm. So you have to denature the enzymes in order to get access to the starches to begin with. Wow, yeah. So what you end up having to do is add a uh, an alpha and a beta amylase uh, or a diatase in the mash, and you have to mash for about two or three times as long as you normally would Jeez. in order to get adequate conversion. But, where yeah, they, it, it works. So. Where do they source those amylases from, or how do they generate those? Yeah, uh, BSG, you can go to the local homebrew shop, yeah. and uh, generally they'll have some sort of amylase blend on the shelf. Uh, I actually went to a EG, EG or ES Kraus. EG Kraus. Uh, okay. EG Kraus, yeah. 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 And they have a diatase enzyme uh, that I've used in conjunction. So, And then White Labs actually has one. It's WLN4100, I think, is the enzyme. Um, and those are all a, gluten-free, too? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. 
All right, Brian, go for it. Let's start okay. uh, start working on the gluten-free beer. The blonde. So it was an American blonde ale. Uh, we judged it as an 18M. It was, it was put in as 31A, but we just looked at the... Well, we judged it as, a, as a, basically as a 31A uh, uh, you know, alternative fermentables beer, but with the American blonde ale base style. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, pleasantly... Uh, Nice fruitiness up front in the beer. The first thing I got was a big kind of pear-like and some apple esters in there. And that's over the top of kind of a neutral, light, kind of grainy malt base. It's it's still, it's uh, you know, malt balance doesn't have, well, there's just a very faint background of a kind of a spicy hop in there, a little earthiness maybe. But uh, I didn't get any diacetyl or acetaldehyde. Um, I thought I got some uh, some DMS in it, some little corn-like, uh, cooked corn kind of DMS, and um, a low hint of, of some alcohol, actually. Uh, I don't know how strong it is, but it's, it's, it's it, it might just be because everything else is so light that the alcohol kind of popped out there at me. Anyway, um, it's, it's a really pretty beer, uh, brilliantly clear and straw-colored beer with a low white head. It faded... Uh, to go to a collar of fine bubbles um, after a fairly quick while, which is forgivable for a blonde ale. It can fade fairly quickly. Just has these nice, bright, uh, you know, sharp, bright yellow highlights. And it's just a really pretty beer to look at. So um, nice job there. Flavor wise, it's got a low clean maltiness with a grainy impression to it um, instead of the kind of breadiness that you get from the normal barley malts kind of uh, has a pretty firm uh, bitterness actually in the beer I thought that was a bit too much and to me that detracted a, a bit from the overall balance what was too much for you the bitterness of the beer hmm okay because it's so light it, it probably doesn't take much bitterness to uh, pop out to that level but uh, it also finishes very dry and that further enhances that bitter aftertaste I think uh, it has a a low hop flavor, you know. Again, a little, just a little spiciness in there. Cleanly fermented, uh, but it's but it's missing some of that. What I would you know like in a, nor- in a usual regular malt blonde ale would be that warm malt flavor in there. Um, you know, alongside a little lighter bitterness and and maybe a little more hop flavor. Uh, but I'm getting into feedback here. I'll I'll keep going. Uh, but yeah, I didn't get any really bad things in here other than you know a little bit of corn like which which. Could be forgivable. It's just kind of poking out because it's such a light beer, maybe. Uh, but it's definitely balanced to the malt. Mouthfeel wise, very light bodied. Uh, I would say too light for the style, but uh, but it makes it easy drinking. And it's, it's with the dryness, it's very crisp on the palate. Uh, I thought I had just a bit of astringency in there, just distracting a little bit, but not not too much. Uh, there was no real warmth. Uh, the CO two was kind of medium and and out of the way, but. It, it was. It had a little bit of spritz to it. Not you know, not uh, you. You could go heavier on this, but you, it might not help it because it's such a light flavor too. You just start getting a carbonic bite and not, not much else. So I think the CO two is actually at a good level. Um, overall, it's a pretty nicely executed and, and a very drinkable blonde ale uh, with the good use of the alternative fermentables. Um, it wasn't declared on the bottle which ones they were, so I I just had to assume that. <laughs> That there there was no barley in here, so uh, it's nice to know that confirmation there, and and get some of the background from you. It'll be interesting to talk about the recipe, how much millet, how much buckwheat, etc. Um, I don't know. I was trying to think of ways to you know without knowing what the malts were to increase the complexity of the malt component of the spear. Um, you might try bringing in some other alternative fermentables with a little stronger flavor, maybe a little bit of. Like sorghum, rye, or, something? or some, yeah, maybe, oh, yeah, some, maybe some sorghum apples. or something. <laughs> apples, <laughs> some something, yeah, some barley. Oh wait, no, do they make? Yeah, no, they don't make uh, gluten free barley yet. What about like a, like a turbinado sugar or something like that? Like something uh, the sugar with some, would just dry out the body too much. Yeah, well, uh, but I guess I guess more. the um, the the darker caramel, but yeah, dark I mean, candy would, syrup would be an interesting sort of thing. Yeah, if yeah. you if you yeah. increase the mash temperature and brought in some. Some kind of a sugar that might do something interesting to it, but I don't know. It might 
change it, and but it might completely dry it out. different direction. It too. might dry it out too much for yeah. the whatever addition to be beneficial. Or you might get a little kind of molassesy kind of taste in there with too much of that. You know, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, but I would just first suggest backing off the bitterness because I think that some of those the malt component that is there is going to shine through a little better. Hmm. Uh, it's not like you think it's too super, much. Super super bitter. Well, I mean, we just drank that spruce tip beer uh, when we tested yeah. it earlier. It was the first beer we tasted. And I mean, always, I guess the first beer you taste in the night is going to seem a little more bitter. Uh, it's not tasting super bitter now. I kind of agree with you. It's not like, wow, that bitterness is offensive. No, but if it's I just, swish it around and look for it, yeah, I could. It's, I mean, it's it's substantial enough that we we both we both noticed it. Yeah. So. Look, I've had commercial beers that are quote pale ales that are hoppier than this than than this like IPA. Yeah, hoppy. I mean, I'm, like so, you know, you can, blonde I think, ale can go up to about twenty eight. It's a West Coast IBUs. style blonde ale. Yeah. There's a fairly firm bitterness, but overall it's a really yeah. nice beer, nicely brewed. Yeah. Um, I just wanted a little more. I wanted a little more maltiness somehow, and I, I you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of ways to get there. But I think with some ex- continued experiment, what about experimentation, Dexter? Jeremy seems like a very smart fellow, and I'm sure he can get us there. Um, what, about, gave, what about adding dextrin? Dextrin will increase the the impression of the body, and yeah, some some dextrin malt, but. That's a, if you have a do you have a dextrin gluten free malt? Is there such a thing? No, de- just just powdered dextrin, maltodextrin. It's corn, maltodextrin. Yeah, yeah. so malta. Sure. Anything when this says uh, malto maltodextrin comes from uh, malt. the other one on packages. They use as flavorings a lot. Uh, yeah, I guess it's maltodextrin, but that's all corn derived generally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, you're all that right. That could with be that. a trick there. Yeah, but I gave the beer 34 points. I thought it was a very drinkable and smooth beer. It just yeah. Um, need something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> about lactose? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, interesting tidbit, the a lot of celiac people, when they have flare-ups, they become lactose intolerant as well. Mm. <laughs> so, mm. <laughs> so, there we go. Yeah. So much for that idea. I made the <laughs> mistake of my having my second gluten-free batch be a milk stout, uh, and I learned real quick Uh-oh. what that did to me. So, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> That's a bummer. All right, Keith, go for it, dude. Okay, so uh, we once again we were pretty much in the same ballpark here, but we, uh, you know, I think I got a lot of esters on on the the nose. Um, for me, come came across as red apple, uh, a little bit of rose as well, um, and the red apple was almost going to the point where it was a little bit of anise um, too. Um, I didn't get any hop aroma, but overall, beyond that, clean, a little bit of corn too, um, but uh, clean fermentation, other than just the high ester levels. Um, the color again, uh, brilliantly clear. I mean, the, the color is golden. The the clarity is brilliantly clear. Um, little little bit low on the the head retention or the initial head in general, but I assume that's probably from the the lack of uh, malt, maybe lack of protein. Um, I also agree that I was a touch on the bitter side. Um, got some got some corny DMS flavor. Interest. I'll be interested to hear mm-hmm. like you know how that the malts that you have uh, you know play into that and can you get dms from other like millet i'm not familiar with with millet and buckwheat so i'd be you know interested in hearing about um if you detect that and, and you know how long you boiled and things like that um once again esters coming through apples pears grape um high, a little bit high for the style for a blonde dry uh again very dry not enough uh, malt character but then again it is a alternate fermentable beer um I've got just a tiny bit of slickness and even just a touch. The second bottle I've now tasted tonight, just a tiny bit of diacetyl. Um, but it's at a really, really low level. Um, a little bit of alcohol warming and also just a tiny bit of astringency. But overall, I thought the balance was a little bit too much to the bitter side for a Blondale. And uh, overall impression, uh, kind of wrapped it up with a lot of those things I said before. Um, but fruity, um, I think... Possibly it's worked better as an Australian sparkling ale. So if you were looking to do this for a competition instead of a blonde ale, um, this seems to fit a little better there. The, the IBUs there, I think, go up to 35. Um, it can be a little bit drier. And I think overall, it sort of, to me, reminds me of that. It's been a long time, it's a long time since I've had a Cooper's, but it, it, it sort of speaks to that more, a little bit fruity and more bitter than a, a blonde ale and not having that, that malty sweetness. And just crisp. Yeah, I like that idea for sure. That's cool. And I think that's it. Awesome. Where did you score it? Yeah, what'd you get? Oh, I gave it a 31. 
Okay. Yeah, right. I thought maybe maybe even just up the the hop aroma and flavor a little bit too. Just add a, a little bit of something there, just to add a little more complexity. That's the, the last point. Cool. All right. Uh, Jeremy, do you have any questions for these guys? Uh, no. Um, so the all of this is playing together. A lot of the comments I hear you making about a little bit, a touch of bitterness, too dry. Um, the corn might have something to do with the three pounds of flaked corn that were in it. Um, <laughs> Maybe. We don't know. We'll never yeah. know. We picked it up. And Yay. Three, three pounds of oats as well, flaked oats. Okay. Um, seven pounds of pale millet malt from uh, Grouse Malting Company. Hmm. And then one pound of caramillet which is was kind of intended to give it some kind of, you know, a little bit of body, a little bit of car- caramel type, you know. Yeah. Something. And no, but, what uh, got any of that? What in is there. the color on that malt? Um, color was estimated at 4.2 SRM. Yeah. Uh, bitterness is, is target the, was 19. The, yeah, the caramel, the color of that malt though, is that is that kind of a Oh, that color. Uh, I think it's like it's like it's low 20s. Yeah. Hmm. Huh? It's yeah. Very high. I wonder what yeah. some more of that would do. Yeah. I mean, it, it didn't darken your beer up very much at all. <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the get... corn would tend to lighten it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's so clear. So, was it filtered at all, or was this? Uh... Uh, no, that was just gelatin uh, in a keg. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Right yeah. Gelatin will strip some of those hop flavors too. How much hops? How, how much late hop was in it? Or so it was a five gallon batch. Uh, first word hopped with a half ounce of Centennial, mm-hmm. and then finished in a thirty minute whirlpool with a half ounce of Centennial. Yeah, okay. and that's pretty it. light additions. Those could go up yeah. a little bit, especially if you're going to find it with the gelatin. And Maybe it, back off the. Well, I think if it has, it finished at ten oh four. Yeah, wow. So it's very dry. Um, that has a lot to do, I'm finding out, with the mashing process. Yeah. And so on the some of the forums and where a lot of people are talking about gluten-free stuff, um, the I guess the there's two or three different ways to do this, but the way I've been using is do a uh, like a 15 or 30-minute rest above 170 mm-hmm. uh, to get the gelatinization done and then drop it down to the uh, the low... I don't know, 152, 154 around yeah. there. And so what people have been doing is, I guess, adding an alpha amylase um, at, you know, high 150s. As it comes down. There. Yeah. And so it's more about how long you mash than how much amylase you use. Uh-huh. So a longer beginning mash. So, for instance, I think the first part of the mash here was almost two hours. Which, yeah. uh, and then the beta amylase. So use the, the first match for uh, the un- percentage of sugars that you get so your uh your mash conversion uh stats and then get um the second part where you add the beta amylase for fermentability yeah so the idea next time is going to be to do a longer primary mash let it hang a yeah. shorter lower temp beta in order to reduce those fermentables that's going to help, help increase the yeah reduce the fermentables mm, i mean the, the christmas yeah. in it is nice but yeah it's it's still it's going to take a long ways before it gets anywhere near yeah. the typical kind of sweetness of a blonde ale so that that high alpha amylase rest is going to help you if you Boy, that's got to be a painful <laughs> mash regime, though. Well, yeah, we gotta go up to I've got the, uh, the pretty sweet system that controls it. But the, nice. yeah, yeah. that's the challenge, man, with the gluten-free grains because everything you knew, everything I knew or thought I knew, just goes out the window oh, when yeah, it comes yeah. to malts and mashing and combinations and flavors and all that. So, gosh, well, you're doing it. Well, yeah, gotta get it dialed in. You know, you're you're brewing some good beers, man. I liked it. It's been educational, too. I mean, just hearing you talk about it, I I don't know enough about this, and just hearing about this makes me want to possibly brew something like this just for for fun. I think you also mentioned uh, the alcohol part. Um, It was 4.8%. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, OG was 1041. Pretty mellow. I might have been imagining that. No, a lot of this stuff will come out, right? When you get a drier beer, yeah, so a lighter dry, beer, all out. those flavors just start to come to the surface. You know, yeah. a hint of diacetyl, oh. a little bit of slickness, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And, uh, yeah, so a little bit more body I think will help it and a little more experimentation with the malt bill. Yeah, I'm surprised they uh, get more from the, the oats, like uh, the creaminess. and the, But, I mean, the dryness might be pulling away from that a little bit. I also wondered too about like um, minerals in the water. What I mean, you probably have to be pretty careful about the water here too. 
Yeah, I've gone to using with my new system. I used to brew three gallons on the stovetop, and a year and a half ago now, switched over to uh, five gallon uh, batches. And so the um, I went to doing completely RO water mm-hmm. and then building it up, and so that has a- made it a lot more consistent. Yeah. You have to put a lot of calcium in there to get it to convert and and work properly. Yeah, let me look. Uh, looks like the calcium target was about ninety four parts per million on this. Okay. Uh, with uh, sulfates at one ten and chlorides at about eighty five. Mm-hmm. I'm get, getting a little kind of sulfate character, and that that pokes through. You know, that didn't help the bitterness. Of, yeah, sure. yeah. So I mean, the bitterness might not it, it might not really be that high. Yeah, I don't know what you said the IBUs were, but it's yeah, it's, like nineteen. Yeah, it's it's seem it's not like wow, it's just bitingly bitter, but it just has the impression of mineral and it hangs on bitterness it, with yeah. the dryness and in the finish, it just kind of sticks. And a lot of these, it's really fine points. This is a it's a it's a it's a great tasting beer. I mean, for mm-hmm. yeah, like, but beer judging is about fine points. If someone just yeah. handed me that and didn't say, oh, this is an alternative fermentable beer, I'd just be like. Oh, that's a pretty nice, very drinkable blonde ale. It's very Absolutely. enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. That's probably the most interesting thing to me was that I couldn't really tell what you know what other fermentables were in it, and it tasted like malt for the most part. You know, it was a little bit dry, but it could have been a, a different beer style and been inappropriate. Totally. Interesting to do a beer like this as a Belgian Golden Strong and see how that would that would turn out. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, great. This beer I actually gonna... did the first one that I did was a uh, Belgian pale, uh-huh. uh, and submitted it to a few competitions, and it was. 3840. Oh, nice. And it was done with uh, uh, the Abbey, uh, whatever the Safale Abbey yeast yeah. is. And uh, I, the millet has this really interesting character to it. And it's almost fruity, which I think is contributing to some of the fruitiness that you're picking up. And it's it's just odd. It's a very sweet um, malt okay. uh, character, especially in the aroma. Um, when I think of millet, too, I think of like birdseed and, you know, it's like. Yeah. It's not. It doesn't taste like birdseed. I've eaten a lot of that in my <laughs> right, life. But, right. Yeah, no. All right, Jeremy. Throw a moment snack on birdseed. <laughs> right. All right, man. We'll let you go. That's it. All right. Appreciate it very yeah, much, guys. Keep Thank you. Well. It's, man, it's been Thanks, really man. fun to talk to you, buddy. All right. Have a good one. You Thank too. You. Cheers. Cool beer. Yeah, that was All fun. right. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back. We're going to award some prizes, and then we're going to leave. It's Dr. Homebrew. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sands, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five Star Treatment today. Not always free of frustrations. Years ago, brothers Bill and Jim Mitchell decided to minimize those frustrations and create an entirely new brewing process and a brand new kitchen appliance. The Pico Brew Zymatic. The Zymatic sits on your kitchen counter and connects to the internet via Wi-Fi. It comes with access to a huge recipe library full of award-winning beers and can brew your next batch at the push of a button. Improve repeatability and refine your recipes with the Pico Brew Zymatic. With minimal cleaning and hassle, the Zymatic enables anyone to brew craft beer in the comfort of their own kitchen. Just add your ingredients and the process of home brewing becomes simplified and automatic, allowing you to focus on what really matters while you brew. At Pico Brew, they believe everyone should be able to enjoy the art of home brewing and make their own damn good craft beer. See the Zymatic in action today at PicoBrew.com. I'm sorry to tell you this, but we're going to have to pour you out. Back to Dr. Homebrew. All right. Thanks for hanging out. 
before we start awarding some stuff, which, by the way, we got a lot of stuff to award. Not necessarily this show, but the next show. Watch out. And moving forward, we're getting a lot more prizes, which is cool. I like giving stuff away. I like making people happy. So, uh, contrary to popular relief. So, uh, anyways, I want to tell you guys about the beer bug real fast. If you ever wanted to figure out what is going on with your ferment while you're at work or you don't want to walk into the garage and take a hydrometer reading or whatever, check out beer bug. Go to thebeerbug.com. It's, you can wireless, wirelessly monitor your beer from home or work or wherever you are on the road, man. It has an app. Uh, it, you can collect specific gravity and temperature in real time so you can really closely monitor exactly what's going on uh, of course they have uh you know a website or you can do it on apple or android you can compare your brewing data with other brewers from around the world uh it's it's really cool uh you know it's it's wi-fi and it's a little thing that kind of drops in the in the center of your uh, it's suspended right in the center of your carboy um and the unit sticks on top and it just blinks up to your uh, to your wi-fi network uh, and it's rad i've used it before brian's using it right now i yeah. think it's pretty cool man yeah, check out my Imperial Stout, my Port Imperial Stout on there. Oh, really? With, well, what's your yeah. name? Well, it's it's the Brewing Network. So. It's the Brewing Network. Yeah. Okay, you can change it if you want. Okay, yeah. maybe not. But you know, it gives you cool cool graphs and uh, all that kind of stuff. It's pretty cool. I like it. And anyway, uh, and you know, they were on the uh, uh, Doctor Homebrew before, and uh, you know, they're back, man. They're back to to spread the love. So check them out, thebeerbug.com. Taylor and the guys are working hard to make sure that you guys don't ever have to work hard to collect information from your beer ever again, man. It should be telling you, you know what I mean? Okay, so we have a Grog Tag gift certificate to give away. We do for forty bucks. And who does that go to? What are our What are our numbers here, Brian? Uh the beer. Tell that, me, tell me, number guy. What you got? Greg's beer is going to be looking better, man. Greg's beer. Greg is the forty dollars gift certificate winner to grogtag.com. Of course, yep. that is the at least your beer will look good, Greg. Forty dollars gift certificate. Uh, let me make a note of that because I I fucked up and I forgot some guys. Mm. Uh, think Greg Grog Tag. There you go. Oh shit, we had feedback to do. Huh. Uh, maybe we'll do it in the second show. Yeah, I'll do it on the second show. I had a feedback from someone called Brent. I'll do it later. Anyway, interesting. Okay. Um, did I do everything? Did I do all my things? Better check the list, man. I think I did. I think that's it. Um, yeah. Let's the the Grog Tag is the prize this time, but watch out next time. Watch out next time. You guys got you, you guys have your hands room. full, man. Thanks again to Five Star again. You go to fivestarchemicals.com. Check them out. Learn about PWW and Star Sand and all the other stuff that they do. Um, thanks to, thanks to Keith for jumping in and helping yeah, Keith, us out, man. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank it's you very much. And then, of course, thank you to Greg and Jeremy for sending in some delicious beers. Uh, my name is JP. This is the Brewing Network. And if you like more weird radio like this, check out our other shows. Of course, we have the session and uh, Brewing with Style. If you want to hear my voice over and over again, just loop this show, the session, and Brewing with Style, the more recent episodes. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you'll never get uh, tired. Or you'll never uh, go a day without hearing me stutter and stumble over words. It's been Dr. Homebrew, everyone. Thanks a lot for joining us. We'll see you next time.